0: Welcome to Ancient Words, Modern Message. I'm your host, Roger Womble. The past is a mirror, and the more we examine what came before us, the more we can understand where we are heading. Shalom. I'm your host, Roger Womble. In a recent series of Shmooze News and Views sessions, I presented six Bible studies on the life and reign of King Hezekiah, as recorded in the Old Testament. In view of current events unfolding in Israel and the Middle East beginning on October 7th, I believe that now, more than ever, we need to be reminded to look to God and His Word for solutions to situations and circumstances so complex and challenging that they defy human capabilities. Hezekiah was king at a time when his nation was threatened by the king of Assyria and a seemingly invincible military machine. But God intervened in astounding ways. At the center of this drama was a young monarch with a heart for God. And now, join us as we consider lessons to be learned from the life and reign of King Hezekiah in this first in a series entitled, Not Perfect, But Good. This study that we are beginning just now is quite different from really most of the studies, if not all of the studies that we've done uh, over these past nine years at Schmooze News and Views. Uh, we, of course, have moved through many of the, uh, the prophetic books, the Old Testament prophets. Just to give you a handle, fall of 2014, when we first began our first session, we studied the book of Zephaniah, one of the minor prophets. Since that time, we have moved through Zephaniah, Habakkuk, Malachi, Micah, Joel, the book of Hebrews, Haggai, Obadiah, Jonah, Nahum, Amos, the Messianic Psalms, the book of Zechariah, and Ezekiel. But this study is going to be quite different from all of those other studies because this study, we are studying one man in particular. And that would be one of the Old Testament kings, And that would be Hezekiah. So our study for these six sessions is going to be a study of the life and reign of King Hezekiah. And actually, I have given to this study, this series, the title, Not Perfect, But Good. Not Perfect, But Good, Studies in the Life and Reign of King Hezekiah. By way of very brief review, I would remind you that the the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, uh, around the 11th century B.C., around the 11th century B.C., looked around them and said, we don't have a king. Now, prior to that period of time, they were led by a group of individuals who were known as the judges, uh, the Shofetim. Uh, there is a book in the Old Testament, the Book of Judges, that describes that period of time when administration was done by the judges. And then, after that period of time, uh, there were various prophets who were raised up by God, uh, and and yet at the head of all of that was God himself. So God ordained the judges, the Shofatim, He ordained the Niveim, the prophets, uh, but God was the one who was running the nation of Israel, was running the government. And that's why it was called a theocracy. That is a government in which God is in charge a theocracy. But remember, at that period of time in the 11th century BC, Israel looked around and said, all of the nations around us have a king. We want to have a king. And they belly ached long enough that God finally said, okay, I will give you a king. The moral of that story might well be, be careful what you ask for because what began at that period of time then was a monarchy, no longer a theocracy, now a monarchy government by a monarch, government by a king. And that began with the inauguration of Saul in 1041 BC, 11th century BC, 1041 BC. And that period of time is known as the United Monarchy or the United Kingdom. It's called that because the nation of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, the people of Israel were all part of one nation and they were part of one nation under a king and those three kings of the United Monarchy, the United Kingdom were Saul and then remember after Saul, there was David and then after David, there was Solomon. And that was the United Monarchy, the United Kingdom. But then you'll remember that after the death of Solomon, when his son Rehoboam uh, moved to the throne of the nation of Israel and was the monarch, there was a rebellion, a rebellion against Rehoboam. And that rebellion was led by a man named Jeroboam. And from that time onward, the nation of Israel was not just one nation. Now it was two nations. Now there was a Northern kingdom composed of those 10 tribes. Most of them settled in the Northern part of Israel who followed after Jeroboam in the rebellion. And then there was a Southern kingdom, those who remained loyal to Rehoboam, Solomon's son. And those would be the two tribes of Judah and Benjamin. And the tribe of Levi was still in the Southern kingdom As well that period of time is known as the divided monarchy or the divided kingdom for obvious reasons because now the nation has been divided when we read the historical records in the Old Testament in the Tanakh we find this that there were actually 19 different kings of the northern kingdom jeroboam the was the first one of those 19 but then there was a series of a total of 19 until the northern kingdom fell in 722 bc at the hands of the assyrian 19 different kings you can read about them specifically in the book of first and second kings the kings of the northern kingdom now, the interesting thing about those 19 kings and what we read about them is that not one of them was righteous. All of them were bad. It was just a question of which one was worse than the others. And when you read the record of those 19 kings of the northern kingdom, you, you, you see this and you hear this statement, made over and over again that this king was worse than his father. And then the king who followed him was worse than his father. So it was a downward spiral of those 19 kings. But then in the southern kingdom, uh, beginning with Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, there were 20 kings that are recorded in the books of 1st and 2nd Kings and 1st and 2nd Chronicles. And those 20 kings of the southern kingdom are different from the 19 kings of the northern kingdom in this respect, that not all of them were bad. In fact, what we read is that of those 20 kings of the southern kingdom, four of those kings are actually identified, four of those kings are identified as doing that which was right in the sight of the Lord, that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And those four, we would call them good kings because they did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And I'll expect you to remember these names and spell them correctly. Are Joash, Amaziah, Azariah, who's also known as Uzziah, two different names there, Azariah, Uzziah, and Jotham. So those four, uh, and they didn't reign successively, that is one right after another necessarily, but those are identified as, as those who did right in the sight of the Lord. And then four others of the 20 are identified, not only as doing that which is right in the sight of the Lord, but they are identified as ones who exemplified the righteous traits of David, their father. Uh, So four good kings, uh, those who did right uh, in the sight of the Lord, and four more who not only did right in the sight of the Lord, but they exemplified the deeds of their father, their grandfather, great-great-grandfather, previous generations of King David. Those four that we might consider great kings. So the four good kings did right what was in the sight of the Lord. The four great kings exemplified the qualities, the good qualities of David. They are, once again, you must remember these and spell them correctly. Asa, you can handle that one, right? A-S-A, Asa, and Jehoshaphat, as in jumping Jehoshaphat. uh, Hezekiah, hold on to that name, Hezekiah, and Josiah. Josiah. So, so if if your children are looking for names of their children, you can maybe suggest Jehoshaphat. Um, actually, there are some Josiahs around. We know some of those. Uh, but those are the four kings who exemplified the righteous traits of David. But of those eight, the good and the great kings, of the 20 of the southern kingdom of Israel, which is often known as Judah, There is no question that the greatest of these, according to the the biblical record, was Hezekiah. And um, I would would just um, read this to you um, from 2 Kings chapter 18. 2 Kings chapter 18, which uh, describes the reign of Hezekiah. Listen to this. 2 Kings 18.1. You don't have the text in front of you, so I'll just read it. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, this is the king who was king in the northern part of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Abi, the daughter of Zechariah. Now listen to the description of Hezekiah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David, his father did. So you have both of those qualities there. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David, his father did. But it goes on to say, he removed the high places, broke the images, cut down the idols, broke in pieces, the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days, the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nehustan, He, that is Hezekiah, trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah nor any that were before him. For he, Hezekiah, clung to the Lord and departed not from following him but kept his commandments which the Lord commanded Moses. So it is clear that of these great Kings of the Southern Kingdom, the best was Hezekiah. The record of Hezekiah's life and reign actually is found in three places in the Old Testament. So the record of his life and reign is found in the book of 2 Kings, uh, three chapters, 18, 19, and 20. And it is also found in the book of 2 Chronicles, Chapters 29, 30, 31, and 32, four chapters. And that's actually the section that we're going to be focusing on. But also uh, there are uh, four chapters in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, that also tell us about the life and reign of Hezekiah. And that would be Isaiah 36, 37, 38, and 39. The reason why we find in the book of Isaiah information about Hezekiah is because Isaiah was a prophet specifically to the southern kingdom of Israel during the reign of Hezekiah. And there was another one of the prophets, one of the minor prophets of the Old Testament, that is Micah. Micah also was a prophet at that same period of time. But well, we, as I say, we are going to look at uh, the life and reign of Hezekiah from the book of Second Chronicles, and that's why you have that text before you now, uh, the book of Second Chronicles. And the first thing that I would point out to you is that Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, reigned over the Southern Kingdom of Israel. The dates that are normally attached to uh, his reign are from seven sixteen to 687 BC. That's a total of 29 years. We read in verse one, look at your text, please. Hezekiah began to reign when he was 25 years old and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. And then we learn his mother, we know his father's name because he is the son of the previous king. And the previous king uh, was Ahaz, King Ahaz. So that was his father. But his mother's name is Abijah. Uh, In 2 Kings, she's called simply Abi. Maybe that was her nickname, Abi instead of Abijah. Uh, But here, his mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah, not the Old Testament prophet Zechariah, but another Zechariah. And so uh, he began to reign when he was just 25 years old, reigned for a total of 29 years from 716 to 687 BC. What I want us to do in these uh, minutes that we have before us is to consider a number of remarkable features of Hezekiah's life and reign from this portion of 2 Chronicles chapter 29. And there are three points to be made regarding remarkable features of Hezekiah's life and reign. And we're going to work our way through the text, and each one of these sections of the text points to one of these remarkable features. First of all, we see this, that as a young man, remember, he began to reign when he was only 25 years old. And I'm here to tell you, 25 is really young. There was a time when I didn't think it was so young, but it's getting younger all the time. He was 25 years old when he began to reign. And as a young man, he purposed to be radically different from his wicked father, who was King Ahaz, King Ahaz. And just to give you a sense of how wicked his father Ahaz was, let me read, and again, you don't have this text in front of you, but listen as I read from 2 Chronicles chapter 28, verses one through four. This is the record of the reign of Hezekiah's father, King Ahaz. 2 Chronicles 28:1. Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign. He reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, but he did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord, like David, his father. For he, Ahaz, walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. Remember the kings of Israel, the guys in the north, all 19 of them were wicked. He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. And what did he do? made also melted and cast images for Baalim, the false gods of the Canaanites. Moreover, listen to this. He burned incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Now, there are two valleys that Jerusalem is kind of in the middle of. On the eastern side, there's the Kidron Valley, where the Mount of Olives is. On the western side, there is the Hinnom Valley and those two valleys kind of come together. He burned incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burned his children in the fire after the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. He actually instituted the sacrifice of children, including his own children, offering them as sacrifices to Molech and other false gods. And then verse four, he sacrificed also and burned incense in the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. That gives us a sense of how wicked Hezekiah's father, Ahaz, really was. And by contrast, and it's a remarkable feature, By contrast, we read that as a young man, he, Hezekiah, purposed to be radically different from his wicked father, King Ahaz. And so with this, let's look at verse two on your text through verse 11. Follow the narrative here. Verse two, and he, that would be Hezekiah, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, had done. In the first year of his reign, In the first month, notice at the very... He's 25 years old. At the very beginning of his reign, the first year, the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, that would be the temple in Jerusalem, and repaired them. He brought in the priests and the Levites and assembled them in the square on the east. And he said to them, Hear me, Levites, now consecrate yourselves and consecrate the house of the Lord, the God of your fathers, and carry out the filth from the holy place in the temple. For our fathers, including his father, probably led by his father, our fathers have been unfaithful and have done evil what was in and have done what was evil in the sight of the lord our god they have forsaken him and have turned away their faces from the habitation of the lord and turned their backs they also shut the doors of the vestibule of the temple they put out the lamps and they have not burned incense or offered burnt offerings to the lord in the holy place to the god of israel therefore what's the consequence of that therefore the wrath of the lord came on judah and jerusalem And he has made them an object of horror, of astonishment and of hissing. As you see with your own eyes, for behold, our fathers have fallen by the sword and our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. Because you see, under Ahaz, there were some invasions by the Assyrians and they actually carried off some of the Jews of the southern kingdom into Assyria. And that's what Hezekiah is talking about. And then this is what he says, verse 10, enough of this now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, in order that his fierce anger may turn away from us. And then he goes on to say to the Levites and the priests, my sons do not now be negligent for the Lord has chosen you to stand in his presence, to minister to him and to be his ministers and make offerings to him. I think you get the clear idea that as a young man, he purposed to be radically different from his wicked father, King Ahaz. Listen, he was the son of a wicked man. And we have no idea how Hezekiah turned out to be the most godly king that the southern kingdom of Israel ever had. But as a young man, he said, I have made a covenant with the Lord that things are going to be different. And and that is indeed quite remarkable we have some parallels to that because you probably know some people who frankly have turned out to be wonderful people who had really scuzzy parents. Raise your hand if you, no, don't say that. (laughs) And this would certainly be a perfect example of that, uh, the grace and the mercy of God. But let's notice the second remarkable feature. And that is under his leadership, part of this covenant that he made with God, there was a national spiritual revival a national spiritual revival. And it's described as beginning with the religious leaders. First of all, that would be the Levites and the priests. And that's described in verses 12 through 19. So as Hezekiah is talking to the priests and the Levites, and he tells them, look, it's time to clean up the act here in the Southern kingdom. Verse 12, then the Levites arose, Mahath the son of Amasai, and you'll see I left out a few verses there, the reason I've left out the verses is because it's just a list of all the names of the Levites and, uh, and who their fathers were and who their sons were. I, I kind of figured you didn't have to have that. Later on, you can look that up on your own. But then go on to verse 15. They, that would be the Levites and the priests, they gathered their brothers, consecrated themselves, and went in as the king had commanded by the words of the Lord to cleanse the house of the Lord. The priests went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it, And they brought out all the uncleanness that they had found in the temple of the Lord into the court of the house of the Lord. And the Levites took all that junk and they carried it out to the brook Kidron and threw it away. The idea seems to be that under Ahaz, he actually was so wicked as to put objects in the temple in Jerusalem that were devoted to the worship of false gods. So the first thing that has to be done is clean house. And so the Levites and the priests, they do that very thing. They take everything out. Verse 17, they began to consecrate on the first day of the first month. And on the eighth day of the month, they came to the vestibule of the Lord. Then for eight days, they consecrated the house of the Lord. And on the 16th day of the first month, they finished. It took them 16 days to clean out the temple. Then they went into Hezekiah the king and said, we have cleansed all the house of the Lord, the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils and the table for the showbread and all its utensils, all the utensils that King Ahaz discarded in his reign when he was faithless, we have made ready and consecrated and behold, they are before the altar of the Lord. So you see, there is a national spiritual revival that is getting started here and it begins with the religious leaders the priests and the Levites. There's a model here, folks. And that is in any national spiritual revival, it has to begin with the house of the Lord. It has to begin even with the religious leaders of the people. And that's where revival begins. But let's move on and see that now this revival extends beyond the spiritual leaders to the political leaders. So this is verses 20 through 30. After the Levites report uh, to Hezekiah, verse 20, then Hezekiah the king rose early and gathered the officials of the city. So these are now the political leaders and went up to the house of the Lord with the political leaders. And they brought seven bulls, seven rams, seven lambs, seven male goats for a sin offering for the kingdom, for the kingdom, that is for the nation and for the sanctuary and for Judah. And he commanded the priests, the son of Aaron, to offer them on the altar of the Lord. Flip your page. So they slaughtered the bulls and the priests received the blood and threw it against the altar of sacrifice. They slaughtered the rams and their blood was thrown against the altar. They slaughtered the lambs and their blood was thrown against the altar. Then the goats who had been brought for the sin offering were brought to the king and the assembly. This is the assembly of the political leaders, and they laid their hands on them. So in other words, they are identifying as the political leaders of the people of Israel. They're saying, we represent our nation." of Israel, the southern kingdom, and we are putting our hands on you and we're going to be offering a sacrifice, asking God to forgive us of our wickedness. Verse 24, the priests slaughtered them, made a sin offering with their blood on the altar to make atonement for all Israel, for the king commanded that the burnt offering and the sin offering should be made for all Israel. So there you have it. The political leaders are going through this time of spiritual revival, but I want you to notice next, the significance of music when people turn to the Lord the way they ought to. So the next verses are all about music. So now all these sacrifices have been offered. And notice verse 25. And he, Hezekiah, stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals and harps and liars according to the commandment of David and of Gad the King Seer Seer and of Nathan the prophet, for the commandment was from the Lord through his prophets, the Levites stood with the instruments of David, and the priests stood with the trumpets and the slide trombones, Ken, Krebel. Then Hezekiah commanded that the burnt offering be offered on the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the song to the Lord began also, and the trumpets accompanied by the instruments of David, king of Israel. The whole assembly worshiped, and the singers sang, and the trumpeters sounded. All this continued until the burnt offering was finished. When the offering was finished, the king and all who were present with him bowed themselves in worship. Worship, and Hezekiah the king and the officials commanded the Levites to sing praises to the Lord. Sing praises to the Lord. A sign of revival is when the people of God sing from their hearts. Maybe you've read about the Welsh revival of many, many years ago. When the coal miners, the rough, tough coal miners of Wales through the preaching of the gospel repented and gave their lives to Jesus and experienced conversion. And all of a sudden it is said that the whole country of Wales was singing praises to God. It is called the Welsh Revival. And so it was in this case that they worshiped the Lord and sang praises. But then it was not only the spiritual leaders and then the political leaders, but now we come to the nation as a whole in verses 31 through 36. Then Hezekiah said to the leaders, you have now consecrated yourselves to the Lord, come near, bring sacrifices and thank offerings to the house of the Lord and the assembly brought, the assembly here refers to the people, The common people, the assembly brought sacrifices and thank offerings and all who were of a willing heart brought burnt offerings. And then we're told the number of the burnt offerings. The number of the burnt offerings that the assembly brought was 70 bulls, 100 rams, 200 lambs. All these were for a burnt offering to the Lord. And the consecrated offerings were 600 bulls and 3000 sheep. So the people are so moved with the spirit of revival that they begin bringing all of these animals for sacrifice to the Lord In fact, they ran out of priests. So you read that in verse 34. But the priests were too few and could not flay all the burnt offerings. So until other priests had consecrated themselves, their brothers, the Levites, helped them until the work was finished. For the Levites were more upright in heart than the priests in consecrating themselves. Besides, the great number of burnt offerings Uh, There was the fat of the peace offerings. There were the drink offerings for the burnt offerings. Thus, the service of the house of the Lord was restored. Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced because God had prepared for the people for the thing came about suddenly. There was under Hezekiah, under his leadership, a great national spiritual revival. The last remarkable feature is this. We read from 2 Kings 18, the passage that I read as we began. This statement regarding Hezekiah, verse 5 of 2 Kings 18, he trusted in the Lord God of Israel. And then verse 6, he, Hezekiah, clung to the Lord and departed not from following him. And so it is said of Hezekiah that he trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, And he clung to, he held fast to the Lord, but lest you think otherwise, he was not perfect. He was not perfect. And we're going to read about that in our future sessions. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening to Ancient Words, Modern Message. You can expect a new episode every other Monday, so please join us again. Ancient Words, Modern Message is supported by Hebrew Christian Fellowship. To learn more about our ministry or to ask a question, contact us at hcfellowship4819 at gmail.com. If you know someone who might be interested in this teaching, please share it with them. And please consider leaving a review of what you've heard on Apple Podcast. Your input helps us make our program even better and reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for Ancient Words, Modern Message, scroll down until you see Write a Review, and tell us what you think. Ancient Words, Modern Message is produced by Studio D Podcast Production. And I'm your host, Roger Womble reminding you that the Word of God is living and active. Until next time, showers of blessings on you and those you love.